Hello, you're listening to the No Fucks Given podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Knight, author of the No Fucks Given Guides, a series of self-help books for people like me who hate being told what to do. Just like the books, the podcast is fun, sweary, and full of tips and techniques for giving fewer, better fucks and living your best life. Let's get to it. First, and as always, thank you so much for listening. We are one month into the No Fucks Given podcast, and I am pleased to report that it seems to be going pretty well. I'm getting some great response from people on social media and in my email, um, and even some long-lost friends have texted me that they're happy to have me joining them on their early morning walks or their COVID commutes from uh, the bed to the bathroom to the living room. So I'm glad to be there for all y'all in your time of need, and I really appreciate you tuning in. Um, so today I am going to debut a new segment. It's called You Asked For It, and it's an audio advice column. Among other things, I'll talk about how to deal when your partner gives fewer or different fucks than you do, why prioritizing by urgency is the best way forward when you're feeling overwhelmed, and how to seriously set boundaries on or end a friendship. So that'll be fun. I'm going to get as many uh, questions and answers in as I can in the time allotted, which I guess I'm allotting that time to myself. There's really no limit on how long this podcast can be, but I know that people's attention spans are going to falter after a while there. Certainly mine would, um, and my husband stopped listening to me years ago, so I know my limits. Anyway, there's still going to be a no fucks given tip of the week, so listen to the end for that, but this episode is going to be dedicated to the You Asked For It audio advice column, and then a little bit more about what else is coming up in season one. First, just a reminder that if you like today's show and you want more advice from me to you, you can send me your questions to podcast at nofucksgivenguides.com or fill out the form on my website. The website is, no surprises, nofucksgivenguides.com. You can go there for all kinds of things, show notes, downloads, uh, information about my books, my journals, the page a day calendar. But primarily, uh, if you want to participate and you asked for it, you can send me your questions. It's all anonymous. I will not blow up your spot. And that would be podcast at nofucksgivenguides.com. Or you can go directly to the website and fill out the form I have there. And if you haven't already subscribed to the No Fucks Given podcast, if you do that, then you're definitely going to get the next episode as soon as it lands. It'll magically appear on your podcast listening device of choice. And then you will hear if I answer your question in the next You Asked For It segment. So I have a confession to make. And I mean, it's not bad. It's not like I, I hate puppies. I mean, I also I'm not that into puppies. But um, but my confession is I am very jealous of anybody who gets to write an advice column. Uh, I'm jealous of Roxane Gay and Katie Weaver for writing the work friend column for The New York Times. I'm jealous of Heather Haverleski who writes Ask Polly. Uh, I've always wanted to have an advice column. I've been reading them since I was a little kid. I mean, I remember reading Dear Abby in the local newspaper uh, when I was growing up. And I don't know if it's like a voyeuristic thing. It probably is. But I just I love reading about people's problems and then reading some no-nonsense lady. It's almost always a lady uh, who sets them straight. So now I get to be that lady. 
However, if you've been listening to the No Fucks Given podcast for a few weeks, you've heard me say this. I'm going to say it again. I am a lady with opinions, but I am not a doctor. I'm not a licensed therapist. So I dispense advice. I think it's good advice. It's been proven in many cases to be good advice. Uh, you know, it's funny. It's entertaining. I think it's practical, but it is not based in any kind of scientific or medical or therapeutic knowledge. Uh, So, you know, take everything I say with a grain of salt. I hope it improves your life. But if you're having a really difficult problem, if you're having mental health issues that are overwhelming, uh, or even, you know, relationship issues or something that needs a little bit more than a no-nonsense lady to give you, you know, a few strategic tips on a weekly podcast with fuck in the title, I hope that you will go forth and seek out that professional who can uh, help you in ways that I cannot. So that said, I would like to segue into you asked for it and uh, show you what I got. So question one is a three-parter, and I'm going to read it to you now. How does one determine what their fuck budget is? How do we know our capacity and or limitations? Do we have to hit the wall to realize that our fuck budget needs tweaking? Okay, first it's time for a little man behind the curtain, uh, great and glorious Oz here. I am going to tell you that I record these episodes two weeks in advance. So I am sitting here from my perch where I live in the Dominican Republic with my head in a in a foam box to tell you that I can be pretty sure this question came from somebody who has listened to episode one of the No Fucks Given podcast, but not yet to episode two where I go into detail on fuck budgets. So if you've already heard about fuck budgets and fuck budgeting from me, um, then you're a star and you're ahead of the game. But let me explain to the asker of this question a little bit more about how they work and answer their specific questions about how they know when they need to tweak them. First, how do you determine your fuck budget? That is the process of mental decluttering, which I went into detail on in episode two, where you sort the things that give you joy from the things that annoy you, and you resolve that you are going to stop giving a fuck about the latter so that you can organize your life around the former and spend your time, energy, and money, those are your fuck bucks, your precious resources, in pursuit of the stuff that makes you happy. Or, and I want to just give a little extra clarification here, on the stuff that serves you. Because there's going to be things that you have to do that you have to put in your fuck budget that don't necessarily bring you joy. Uh, But you do have to do them for other important reasons. You know, and I use the example of you have to show up to your job because you have to get your paycheck because you have to pay your rent. Uh, And there's a lot of things like that in life where the action is serving you in some way, even if it's not necessarily serving your happiness or not directly serving your happiness uh, because I'm sure that being able to pay your rent does make you happy in a way. But anyway, um, that's how you make a fuck budget. You ask yourself what's worth your time, energy, and money, and then you put your money where your mouth is and your time and energy where your mouth is also. And like I said, you can get a full-on deep dive into how to make a fuck budget if you listen to episode two. So I'm going to move this along because I sort of assume that that questioner has by now actually listened to episode two. I'm going to move on to the second part of their question, which is how do we know our capacity and or our limitations? 
And my answer is, I can't tell you that. You have to figure it out for yourself. Um, The thing is, we all place different value on our time, energy, and money. For some of us, uh, we feel like we have all the time in the world to devote to things, but we have to be a lot more strict about our financial budget. For some of us, we don't have a ton of energy. You know, you're running around all day after your kids, you're going to work, you're cooking dinner. Um, Maybe you have a chronic illness. Maybe you are a caregiver for an aging parent, and you just don't have any more energy left at the end of the day or the beginning or middle of the day to give over to extra things. So your fuck budget might be heavily weighted toward, you know, preserving your energy for the things that you really have to do, but being able to be a little more free with your time or your money as the case demands it. And keep in mind, that can change over time. I mean, you might be in a period of your life where you can be a little more free and easy with your finances and you can, you know, throw money at problems, but you can also uh, be a little bit more generous when people ask things of you that are financial in nature. But maybe at another point in your life, you have to be careful about your finances and you decide that this means you can be a little more free with your time and energy. And maybe there are times in your life, as there are times in my life, where you don't really feel much like being free with any of those things. You really want and need to conserve all of your fuck bucks for things that are important to you and that bring you joy and you don't have extra in your fuck budget to devote to the stuff that isn't. So keep in mind, it's, you know, a rolling target depending on where you are in your life. But the way you're going to find out what your capacity is, what the limits are on the amount of time you can spend on things, people, tasks, obligation, the amount of energy you have to spend, and the amount of money you have to spend is a very personal thing. And you need to figure it out for yourself And then be honest with yourself about those limitations and then set some boundaries, uh, which I also have helpfully discussed in episodes two and three of the No Fucks Given podcast. But, uh, you know, you have to be your your own best accountant when it comes to your fuck budget. And for the last part of that three-parter, do we have to hit a wall before we realize that our fuck budget needs tweaking? This is probably in response to the questioner having heard me tell my personal story in episode one about how I hit my wall and how I let anxiety and depression overcome me. Well, I didn't let them. Uh, let's let's be real here. Anxiety and depression uh, do whatever they want to you. <laughs> they don't. They don't, uh, they don't really respond whether you're trying or not trying to let them take over. But I was in a really rough place in my life. I, you know, figured out that it was because of my job primarily and I worked to address that. But I definitely hit a wall and that was what caused me to reevaluate my life and come up with the whole concept of fuck bucks and fuck budgeting and write the life-changing magic of not giving a fuck and become uh, an anti-guru with five self-help books to my name, but that's neither here nor there. I certainly hope that the kind of advice you're getting from me today and throughout the podcast and all my books and things is going to help you become the kind of person who is able to recognize their limits and recalibrate midstream before they have to hit that wall. And Mental decluttering is a great way to do that. You know, giving yourself the time and space, even if it's 10 minutes, to sit down and say, what are the demands on my time, energy, and money right now? Which one of them gives me joy? Which one of them annoys me? And then committing to really trying to do away with the things that annoy you and that are not worth wasting or spending those precious resources. 
So no, I don't think that you have to hit a wall in order to realize that your fuck budget needs sorting out. Uh, But if you do, I hope that you have gathered a few tips to help you do it. Uh, Mental decluttering. It's the tits. All right. So that was it for question one, a three-parter. I might have bitten off more than I should have for the very first question of the You Asked For It audio advice column, but hopefully it was helpful. I'm going to move on to question number two and read this aloud to you. I have an old, though not particularly close, friend with whom I now have very little in common, and I have not wanted to be close with her for quite some time. Now she happens to be living in my neighborhood and is constantly suggesting we meet for a walk. I've tried to be polite with my declines, but she's very persistent and not picking up on the fact that maybe I don't want to spend time with her. It goes against my nature to bluntly say I don't want to see you, and also I feel it's rude to just ignore calls and texts. How can I get the message through without being unkind? So first of all, this is interesting. I actually got some variations on this question from other people too. Um, In the nascent stages of this advice column, it appears that several of you are really curious about slash desperate to end a friendship or two. Um, And some of the other questions that I received were specific to an old friend, a formerly very close friend whose behavior was toxic and, and somebody wanted to know how to extricate themselves from that friendship, not just the naive persistence of the person in this question that I just read to you, but also some other friendships that needed to be um, disentangled from because of the behavior of the other friend because it was uh, unacceptable or, or toxic, not just, you know, you kind of lost touch. And I have to tell you, this may come as a surprise, but my advice is exactly the same for both situations. And that advice is to be honest and to be more honest than you think you can be or that you think may be appropriate. The reason I say that is not just because I'm a very blunt, get to the point kind of person, but also because I'm all about setting goals. And if your goal is to get out of this friendship and your secondary goal is to not be unkind, uh, even if it's to a person who has perhaps been unkind to you in the past, if you want to retain the moral high ground here and be as kind as possible about uh, achieving your goal of not being in touch anymore and not getting together, the best and quickest way to do that is through honesty. Honesty is not necessarily unkind. I drill this into your heads every week in the podcast and in all of my books, but honesty and politeness taken together are really the most effective form of getting what you want and not getting what you don't want out of life. That said, I'm not personally opposed to the idea of ignoring calls and texts if they are uh, numerous and if you feel like you have already expressed yourself politely and the person just doesn't get it, sometimes just letting a text message fall into oblivion and hoping that that sends the message home is not the worst thing in the world. Uh, And I'm saying that as somebody who's very big on maintaining her correspondence and normally does not lose track of messages But, you know, if you are really feeling like the person is uh, on your back and isn't getting the message, I do think it's okay to ignore calls and texts and not follow up and see if that does the trick. 
But if it does not do the trick or you're not comfortable with that as per the original questioner, again, I have to go back to being honest. And there are levels, you know, that are going to be different from someone who you haven't been in touch with for a long time. And frankly, objectively, it's strange that they seem to want to be your friend still. Uh, and someone with whom you have a, a very long and deep and complicated shared history who maybe knows that they've treated you badly, maybe doesn't know that, um, and in any case doesn't understand that you are trying to pull back. And that honesty can be as simple as responding, hey, I really hope you won't take this the wrong way, but I am so busy these days. I have so much going on. I know you have been asking me to go for a walk and I keep pushing you off. And it's probably better for me to just say, I don't think that's going to happen anytime in the near future. And again, no offense. Uh, it's just not something I can fit into my life right now with everything else I've got going on. And instead of leaving you hanging, I really just wanted to say, I don't think the answer is going to be yes anytime soon. Have you fibbed a little bit by saying anytime soon versus forever? Uh, yeah, but... I would wager that the person on the other end of that message might take the hint uh, more than they have been thus far. You could also say, I really appreciate that you're trying to get together. I got to tell you, I don't think it's going to happen. Please don't take any offense at that. There is none intended. I've just got a lot going on and starting a new walking schedule uh, is not, you know, in the cards for me. And finally, if uh, you don't really think that's going to work either, or if that's a little too close to what you feel you've already tried, and if you are the person or actually the multiple people who wrote to me about ending toxic friendships with people who they're not quite as concerned about being kind to, although I think we all would like to, you know, maintain our, our own personal integrity in these kinds of relationship issues, um, you can be yet more honest. And you don't have to overexplain yourself. I go into detail on this in my book, Fuck No, in a section called Ours is Not to Reason Why. You don't have to give a lot of reasons. But to the person who keeps wanting you to go for a walk with them, you can say, thanks so much for asking. No offense intended, but my answer is never going to be yes to this. And I figured I should just say that now so that you don't need to keep asking and I don't need to keep coming up with excuses. It's just not in the cards. If it's somebody that you're not, uh, you know, concerned about being super kind to, uh, an old friend who you need to get out of their orbit, you can say, listen, I think we need to take a break from each other. Either explain that they know what they did or just say, this isn't about you, this is about me, and I'm reevaluating some things in my life right now. And I'm going to focus on some other relationships. And this one I've got to put on the shelf. And please don't take it the wrong way, but that is just how I feel. And one last thing to note on the toxic friendship issue, it might feel good to air your grievances, um, but I would recommend, you know, even if you write them all out into an email or a letter, probably not sending it. Writing them down might feel better. Journaling is actually scientifically proven to reduce anxiety, uh, and it might help you process whatever feelings you have about that friendship. But I don't necessarily think you need to engage. You know, it's the kind of thing you could talk to a therapist about. It's the kind of thing you could write in your journal. But if you want to stop having your time, energy, and money taken up by this toxic friendship that does not bring you joy, then I wouldn't add fuel to the fire 
by leveling accusations, which you then get caught in a cycle of defending, responding to, um, you know, and then the friendship just continues, but in an even worse way. It is now an antagonistic relationship when you could have just put a pin in it by saying, I have to be honest with you, I'm reevaluating this friendship. I have been for a long time and I haven't had the courage to say anything. So I'm saying it today. I need to back off for a while, maybe permanently. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I understand if it doesn't make you feel great, but I think that being honest is the better way forward for both of us. And that's how I feel. And I will let you know if those feelings change. And I completely understand if you'd rather not hear from me again or for a while. Uh, I hope that we can both respect each other's time and space. And that's that. Um, I know that some of this might sound a little bit harsh to you, but you probably wrote to me because you didn't feel comfortable being quite so harsh yourself. And what I'm trying to get across here is that being honest and being respectful is not necessarily being unkind. And you can't really control other people's feelings, but you can control how you deliver your boundaries and how you enforce them. So whether it's something as simple as somebody you're not that excited about spending time with pestering you to get together or an old complex friendship full of fraught shared history that you really need to get out of for your own good, the answer is be honest, be respectful, be polite, don't worry so much about how the other person is going to feel in terms of the boundary that you need to set, the goal that you need to meet for yourself, just concern yourself with how you're going to make them feel in your delivery and be as honest and polite and respectful as you can. But honesty really is the best policy if you are trying to get out of a relationship of any kind uh, rather than letting it, you know, continue to suck all the time, energy, and money out of your fuck budget that you could be spending on things and and people especially that really make you happy okay i hope that was helpful moving on to question three how do i cope with feeling like i should be in a relationship when i don't want to be in a relationship Oh, my precious fucklings, I went into detail on obligation last week, and I will say more about that now, which is that I hate being ruled by the concept of should. You should get married. You should have a family. You should want the most, you know, the highest paying job. You should like puppies. Uh, I really hate to live my life by should. I much prefer to live my life by want. And, you know, that has a little bit to do with the idea of sorting things between joy and annoy, but also because I really chafe at the idea that any other person or entity or society as a whole should be dictating the course of my life. And it sounds like this questioner is feeling either some kind of cultural uh, pressure to be coupled up, uh, or maybe they are in a couple and they're feeling like they should stay in it when they don't really want to. I don't know. Specifics were not given. But I think that in general, the way that you deal with this uh, conundrum of should versus want is to remember that your time on this planet is very limited. It is a limited run engagement. And why would you be spending any of it and certainly a significant part of it as one does in a couple 
uh, pursuing something that you really don't want. I mean, it just it's that rational and logical a decision, which is to say, don't waste the limited amount of time you have doing things the way other people or society say that they think you should instead of doing them the way that you want. And just as a little aside here, I am a 42-year-old woman who does not have children by choice. I never wanted kids. I explained that to my now husband when we started dating over 20 years ago. Uh, And I've always been really secure in that decision. And I've been incredibly lucky that people in my life have not challenged me on it by and large. You know, certainly not my own parents who tend to be you know, the, the prospective grandparents tend to be the ones with the most opinions about whether or not you should procreate. But fortunately, my parents know me well enough to know that they should not argue with me. Um, but really, you know, it is a decision, a life decision that I made against a lot of societal pressure of should. And I did, you know, I questioned it because I'm a natural questioner. I happened to be confident enough in my decision and resolute in my decision to not really have to worry about it too much over time. But a lot of other people are more susceptible to that kind of pressure than I am. And I understand that. And so I just want to say, you know, I am speaking to you from experience as someone who has made a life decision that goes against the grain of should in a lot of people's minds and a lot of culture's minds. And, uh, you know, I've been there, I've done that, and it turned out okay. So you really should feel comfortable. Oh, I used the word should. I said you should do something. Um, It would be great if you felt comfortable enough to make those decisions for yourself and see what happens. And as I mentioned, I think in last week's show, as it turns out, uh, people don't tend to have nearly as much concern for how you live your life as you think they do. So it's possible that the person who's worried about feeling like they should be in a relationship when they don't want to be is fighting a little bit more of their own kind of guilt and and concern and, you know, roiling competitive thoughts than they are actually from any outside source of should. Um, it can go both ways. It can come from from without or from within. So just to be clear, to answer the question, how do you cope with the feeling of being torn between should and want? I like to cope by taking a very logical and rational approach and saying, this is the time I have. This is what I want to do with it. This is what I don't want to do with it. And I've got to stop being, you know, torn up by these competing factors of should and guilt and shame and outside pressure and really just focus on the resources that I have at my disposal and how I want to use them. So I would cope by being logical about it. Uh, And if that's something you haven't been able to do up until now, give it a shot. It might just work. And with that, we have question four. What are you wearing? (laughs) Okay, well, I know I said that these Q&As would be anonymous, but I think you should all know that question came from my husband. Uh, We were just testing to see whether the email address podcast at nofucksgivenguides.com was working and the questions would come through to me, which they obviously did. Uh, I'm sure he thinks he is very funny. But hey, he asked, so I will answer. I am wearing a gray t-shirt that has a picture of the outline of the island of Hispaniola on it. And my husband and I actually had these t-shirts made and printed five years ago when we moved down here. And it says hashtag Hispaniolo on the shirt. And I have paired that with a pair of olive green uh, shorts from Target that I probably bought 
right around the time we moved. I am not wearing any shoes. I have not worn shoes, including even my flip-flops, probably more than, I don't know, 10 times in the last 10 months. I don't get out much, guys. And I'm definitely not wearing a bra because you don't have to do that when you're podcasting. In fact, I'm getting to the point where I might not do that when I go back out into the real world after this pandemic is over anyway. But uh, that's what I'm wearing. You asked for it. Okay, I think I have time for probably two more questions. So question five comes from a listener who says, I'm decluttering and organizing, but my boyfriend does not give a fuck and does not want to participate. Help! And to this I say, good for you. I love to declutter and organize. It's one of my favorite pastimes. But it's not for everybody. And presumably you are with your boyfriend for all kinds of reasons, not just because we've all been sequestered with the people we were in relationships with when the pandemic started. But if he doesn't want to participate because he does not give a fuck, a.k.a. he does not care about having an organized home and he does not want to spend his time, energy, and money on it, it's not in his fuck budget, then I don't know. Who are you to argue? You know, is he really making a big old mess or is it just that you're super type A, which I totally get. I am super type A. I get much more concerned about the disorder of our home before my husband does, so I tend to do most, if not all, of the cleaning on a regular basis. But if he doesn't give a fuck, you know, I'm not sure that you should be forcing him to put it in his fuck budget. That said, this could be the root of relationship problems that have not been conveyed to me in, uh, in an email, and you know maybe you need to get those checked out. And uh, I guess another way to look at it would be to ask your boyfriend if he wants to put your satisfaction in his fuck budget, uh, because maybe you just need to have a different conversation about it. Maybe it's not about whether he wants to help you declutter and organize, but whether or not he wants to make you happy. And if he says he's not willing to put that in his fuck budget, then I think you have problems that even I cannot help you solve. But you could look at it that way and ask him if he would be willing to devote some of his time or energy or maybe some money hiring an organizer, again, after the pandemic when we can enter each other's homes without risk. Um, and maybe, you know, you can reach a compromise that way where he realizes that the thing he's actually meant to be spending his fuck bucks on is important to him, i.e. your happiness, as opposed to not important to him having organized kitchen drawers. All right. I think that one was pretty cut and dried. We're going to move on to the sixth and final question in this inaugural You Asked For It audio advice column. Uh, And then I'm going to tell you more about what's coming up in the rest of season one of the No Fucks Given podcast and also give your No Fucks Given tip of the week. So stay tuned for that. But meanwhile, when you can't concentrate because there are so many things to do, what advice do you have? Okay, look, uh, this is a genuine question that came through, and I'm not going to pretend, however, that I didn't put it at the end here because it provides a perfect segue into what's coming up next week and a few episodes beyond in season one. So one of my favorite things to do is to declutter and organize not only my physical space, uh, but also my mind. And I feel like I've gotten really, really good at segmenting all of the things that are going on in my head in any given moment and being able to pull out a few at a time to focus on to get them done so that I can get them out of mind, sweep them to the side and work on the next batch. So 
I would say that when there's so much going on, so much being asked of you, so much coming at you that you feel like you can't concentrate, you have to prioritize by urgency. And this is something that I will talk about in depth in the next couple episodes of the No Fucks Given podcast. But essentially, prioritizing by urgency means doing the thing that has to be done first on your timeline, not doing the thing that is biggest, not doing the thing that is the most appealing to you, not doing the thing that was asked of you most recently, not doing the thing that was asked of you by the person you like the most, but really taking a logical, rational eye, which is something you know I love to do. And applying it to the question of urgency, what has to get done first? What deadline is coming up fastest? And then you can push a lot of the other things off your plate and out of mind for a little while while you focus on those urgent tasks. And, you know, there's going to be some overlap, obviously, uh, a whole life and and a whole to-do list and a whole list of obligations and concerns can't be necessarily tidied up into one easy little task to do on any given day. But I think you'll find that if you prioritize by urgency, a big overwhelming list of things to do or crowded brain can be sorted down into a much more manageable size and scope. And then you have the ability to focus on one thing at a time instead of having 10 or 20 or 30 things roiling around in there. And there you have it. The very first uh, You Asked For It audio advice column is complete. What did we learn today? Do you need to hit a wall in order to realize that it's time to tweak your fuck budget? No, you do not. You should be able to focus on your budget whenever you want. You should be able to recalibrate it whenever you need to. And if you do hit that wall, all of the solutions are the same as if you haven't hit it yet. You need to sit down. You need to ask yourself what your time, energy, and money is worth, how much of it you have to give to any given person, task, obligation, relationship, uh, or goal of your own, and then be honest with yourself about what's worth it, what isn't, and take it out of the fuck budget if the answer is no. We've talked about extricating yourself from a friendship that no longer serves you or is actively toxic. We've talked about should versus want and how do you cope with the feeling that you should do something when you might not want to do it. And I say you cope with logic and reason. You say, why on earth would I spend my limited time doing things that I don't want to do just because somebody tells me they think I should? We have found out what I'm wearing. I don't think we need to go back into detail on that. We have asked, uh, what if you have a partner who doesn't want to declutter and organize with you because they don't give a fuck about decluttering and organizing your space and a couple of different ways that you could approach that relationship conundrum? And we've talked about what happens when you have problems concentrating because there's just too much to do and you're too overwhelmed. And like I said, that is going to take us into next week's episode and even another week beyond that because I have a lot to say about getting your shit together. And that leads us to the NFG tip of the week, which is small, manageable chunks. It's just like I said earlier, when you have too much going on, too many things competing for your attention, you need to be able to narrow it down into small, manageable chunks. Life is like an adult coloring book. All you have to do is color in each little tiny individual space one at a time, 
and eventually the big picture will emerge before you. So prioritizing by urgency helps, but just generally speaking, uh, break things down into small, manageable chunks. You know, I didn't move from Brooklyn to the Dominican Republic overnight. I did all kinds of things to get to this point, and some of them uh, were a lot more manageable and a lot smaller than others. You know, sometimes it's just about opening a bank account. Sometimes it's about downloading a Spanish app. Sometimes it's about putting your your winter coat in storage or setting fire to it in a Viking funeral on the ocean, you know, whatever floats your boat. Uh, The NFG tip of the week is small, manageable chunks. Think about those three words anytime you feel overwhelmed, and I think that you will find a way to feel better. Okay, we are getting there on episode four. I just wanted to say also coming up next week, uh, a lot more about getting your shit together. I'm going to talk about my gist theory, which involves your keys, phone, and wallet, things you already tend to have on you, uh, and easy ways for you to remember what's important about getting your shit together, keeping it together, and accomplish your goals. We'll talk about how to set those goals in the first place. We'll talk about prioritizing, again, by urgency but also responsible procrastination because I know that you're all looking for an excuse to procrastinate. Um, Honestly, I have to say, not giving a fuck uh, was my first foray into guruing and advice giving. The life-changing magic of not giving a fuck changed my life and uh, in many ways and has changed a lot of people's. But I was really born to tell people how to get their shit together. So the next few episodes of season one of the No Fucks Given podcast are going to be incredibly useful. And I urge you to tune in and tell your friends. On that note, uh, please do subscribe if you haven't already. It means that you will get the next episode as soon as it lands. And it also means that if you are kind enough to send your question for next month's You Asked For It audio advice column, you will definitely not miss the episode in which I answer it. So subscribing is good for you and it's good for me. And one more time for those in the back, you can submit your questions to podcast at nofucksgivenguides.com or you can go to my website, nofucksgivenguides.com and there is a place uh, in the podcast section where you can just fill out a form and submit your question to me there. Also at nofucksgivenguides.com in the podcast section, you can read the show notes where I will often link to things that I have suggested you guys watch or read or download on any given episode. And you can find out all about my books and my journals. You can watch my TED Talk. It's on there. Um, And if you just can't get enough, all of the interviews I've ever done with other people on their podcasts are on there also. So you can just have like a Sarah Knight marathon if if that suits your fancy. So finally, I just want to say thank you for listening. Again, this is kind of a new thing for me, and I really appreciate everybody who's listening and who's spreading the word. Um, If you really liked it and I could ask you to leave me a rating or a review, that would be great. I know it's super easy to tap those five stars on Apple Podcasts, but whatever service you use, if it's possible to rate or review the show, I would super appreciate it. Um, And until next week, I'm Sarah Knight. No fucks given. Not sorry. Sorry.